Welcome to Woke and Wired, a new conversation about expanded consciousness and entrepreneurship. Through that journey, doing all these different random things, I learned that I really did have the power to create my life and I didn't have to follow what society, what my parents were telling me to do because everyone was urging me to like get a job. They're like, don't waste your degree. You went to a good school. You should be able to get any job you want, but it's not what I wanted. So you always have to be changing and evolving. And the scary part is you don't know if it's going to keep growing because some days it'll grow and some days it won't grow. It'll like go down. It really is like a roller coaster ride of like ups and downs. And I've learned over these four years to just accept that it's going to be up and down. It's never going to feel like you're growing constantly. Welcome back to Woken Wired. This week, my guest is Aileen Shu, founder of Lavender. She is a content creator and entrepreneur who makes videos, hosts a podcast, and she also created the Artist of Life workbook and Daily Planner. Those are both beautiful journal type of workbooks that you can get on her website. She shares about how they were created and why they were created in this podcast. But the reason I am super excited to share this conversation with you today is because it gives you a behind the scenes glimpse into what it's like to run a social media business and specifically a YouTube business. Aileen shares the different revenue streams that she has as a social media creator. She tells us how she got started and she also gives tips on how to grow your YouTube channel today if you're not someone who started many years ago like she did. She also shares what it's like to be a multi-passionate entrepreneur and creator and how she tried different things before really finding something that resonated. And you will get a big sigh of relief when you hear that it took her over a year to get to a place where her YouTube videos were getting a lot of views and she started getting sponsorships while she had a totally different job to pay for her life. We talk about what the future of social media holds, about the books that have inspired her when she was at a place where she really didn't know what to do and she was looking for clarity and what to do with her life and career. And from a business perspective, the most important part of this conversation is where Eileen talks about how she has divided her revenue streams and how as a content creator, she has really set up her business in a way where she does not depend on brand sponsorships. So she has created a product line and does other things that monetize her business. And that's a vital thing. I think there's so many people trying to enter the social media space, doing a lot of the right things, but we've got to remember that ultimately the likes are not ours, the followers are not ours, None of it belongs to us. The subscribers are not ours. And it's important to build your email list and your connection with your people and your tribe, your community that is off those third-party social media platforms, as well as build products that are outside of what you post on social media, because it's very possible that you could wake up and that community is no longer there, or maybe that app is no longer valid. And the thing that we've been talking about In my conscious social media program this week, we are on week three and it's going really well. 
I love seeing everyone's breakthroughs. The thing that came up is that by getting clear on what you want to share in social media and creating that intention, you are weaving a container for what you're going to share. But then you really have to remember to leave the space for flow, to leave the space for divine guidance, because you are always guided and where you're going to be taken doesn't always look the way that you expect it to. So the important thing is to set an intention, to find the card to show up, to do it consistently, just like Aileen shares in this interview, and you will be shown the way. So stay flexible, stay inspired, and get some really serious business inspiration in this podcast interview, whether you're a professional content creator or anyone really who has to do with digital business, making money online, building communities. I think this really relates to absolutely anyone because having a strong online presence is relevant to each and every one of you listening. So enjoy this show and please share your takeaways with me on Instagram by tagging at WokenWired. And if you haven't already, I would so appreciate it if you take a pause to leave a rating and a review to Welcome Wired Podcast on the iTunes app. Really helps a lot. I read all of them. They really move me. They touch me deep in my heart. And I appreciate you listening. If you leave a review, then you can just go and share it with a friend or two, whoever you think this will resonate with. Enjoy this and have a magical week. Okay, guys, I have Aileen on my podcast today. And Aileen and I got connected through my friend Katie Daleboo, who has been on my podcast, and I've been on hers a couple of times. And it was funny when I saw you, Aileen, on Katie's podcast, or actually it was the other way around, right? Yeah, she came on my podcast. Right. Katie was on yours. I remember that a couple of times when I've YouTube searched manifestation or vision boards, your videos have come up top of the search. And so I already was a little bit familiar with who you are and your work. And I just knew immediately there was something in me that said, I need to reach out to you. And there's important things we need to talk about. So I'm stoked to have you on Woken Wired. Yeah, thanks for having me. So I'm going to start by reading your Instagram bio. And then you're going to tell me what it is that you actually do on a day-to-day basis. Sound good? Okay, sure. Okay. So if you guys want to follow along, Aileen's Instagram is Lavender, and I'm going to link everything in the show notes. And so it says, blogger, life is an art, make it your masterpiece. Blog, YouTube, Lavender, podcast, The Lavender Lifestyle, and shop Lavender. So sounds amazing. You have almost 100,000 followers. A lot of gorgeous pictures. Looks like you just released a product as well. Who are you and what do you actually do? So I am a content creator in personal growth and lifestyle design. My passion is figuring out how to create my dream life and helping others figure out how to create their dream life. So I think I started Lavender as a place to share my journey in learning everything that goes into creating the life that you want and It kind of started from YouTube and it branched out into a podcast and then I have a blog and I now have like a shop where I sell two items. One is called the Artist of Life Workbook. The other one is called the Daily Planner. And they're both like notebook journal-esque tools to help you plan your year. So the workbook is more of like a goal planner. It goes so in depth into all these like 
personal growth exercises, self-love, self-care, planning out your goals. And then the daily planner is more of like a productivity daily to-do list type tool. So that all sounds amazing. And I want to know behind the scenes, you wake up and what does a content creator and an entrepreneur like you do? What is your day-to-day? So it depends on the day. I like to block out days for specific tasks. For example, I like to shoot in one day, like either Monday or Tuesday of the week, I'll wake up and maybe do a quick morning routine and then put on makeup and start shooting videos. And I try to shoot at least two videos in one sitting. And it could vary depending on what type of video I'm making. Aside from that, like in the evenings, I'll answer emails, reply comments. I have like a small team that I work with. So I have an assistant, a podcast editor, and a video editor. That's my small team. And throughout the week, we just work on whatever needs to get done. So shooting some days and then other days are like for admin and meetings. And then I have the way that I record my podcast is I batch record them all. So I'll spend like a whole week recording maybe like 10 podcasts and then I'll schedule them out. And so that is more of like a manageable way for me to do that. But I focus more on creating YouTube videos. And so was YouTube the first platform in terms of social media that you got into? Yeah. I mean, YouTube is where I put my main focus once I started because I actually had another YouTube channel for music before. So I was pretty familiar with the platform. So I used to sing, I pursued music for a while And I guess I had a really good foundation knowledge of how to use YouTube, how to edit videos and stuff. And so when I started Lavender, I wanted video to be my main platform. But of course, I made like the Instagram and the blog at the same time, too. So your first channel was music. And how did it come about that you transitioned into personal development and lifestyle design? So I used to do music. I performed my whole life, like acting, singing. And so it was a hobby throughout college. And when I graduated college, so I studied business, but I was really lost in life. Like junior and senior year of college, I it was, you know, about the time where you're supposed to get like a good internship that leads to a good job. I didn't have that. Like I didn't have a job lined up. I didn't even like any of the jobs that were available to me at that time. And I knew deep down I wanted to be my own boss and be creative and be like live on a more free schedule. So I actually pursued music acting and a little bit of marketing and PR like for two to three years after college. But at the same time, I was also reading a lot of self-help books because I was like, okay, I'm on my own now. How do I figure out how to get to that goal that I want? How do I create this dream life where I'm my own boss, blah, blah, blah. And through that journey, doing all these different random things, I learned that I really did have the power to create my life and I didn't have to follow what society, what my parents were telling me to do because everyone was urging me to like get a job. They're like, don't waste your degree. You went to a good school. You should be able to get any job you want, but it's not what I wanted. So it was really like a personal challenge to see if I could do it. And once I was doing it for a few years, I realized how much I've learned. And so I started Lavender as my second YouTube channel as a way for me to share that journey and everything I'm learning about personal growth. And that time I was 23 years old. I was in my early 20s and all of my friends were, you know, partying, figuring out their lives. But I felt like I was very passionate about self-help more than any of my friends. And I felt like the weird one out because all the books that I was reading were, were like written by older white men. Maybe they were like classics, like really, really old books. And I felt like the people that I followed, the bloggers were also like an older demographic as well. 
at the time I was telling myself, oh my God, I'm going through my midlife crisis like in my early 20s. Like this is too (laughs) early. And yeah, because I was just so into these like concepts of how to find your purpose, law of attraction, and no one my age was really interested in it. So I started YouTube because I was like, no one my age is talking about this on YouTube. And the business mind of me like saw like that's a gap. I know there are people out there who are like me. I just, I'm not connected to them right now. So I started making videos and slowly I started to like form or attract this community of like-minded people. And now in my world, I see that it's more mainstream to be young and care about your purpose and all of the stuff that, I don't know, it was just so weird back then. Right. First of all, I totally resonate with what you're saying. I got into buying personal development and self-help books when I was a teen, probably Mm -hmm. 15. And I had had my party periods, but by the time I was in my 20s, I was deep into yoga and meditation. And Mm -hmm. I took every energy healing retreat and training I could, but it never crossed my mind. Even though I've always been blogging, I've always been in social media one way or the other, it never crossed my mind to do social media or start a YouTube vlog. So I guess that warm up of having a music channel Mm -hmm. really gave you that familiarity and courage to share yourself in that new realm, right? Yeah. Another thing was like, I was trying so hard in my music YouTube channel, but it wasn't growing. And it was, I was really discouraged about that. And I would spend so much time watching YouTube, watching beauty and fashion bloggers. And you know how they're always traveling and they get to make videos all day. Like I was really jealous of their life. There was a point where I told myself I gave up on music and I was, I had another idea to like start a a business, like create an app or something. And I think there was a breaking point where I was like, no, I have to be honest with myself. My, my dream is still to do YouTube. And at the time I was 23 and I f- felt like I was too old to do YouTube because everyone's starting out, it's like in their teens and it's, it skews pretty young, but I had to just like give myself the chance to just start it. And now that looking back, I'm like, I was not too old. <laughs> But at the time, I felt like I was too old. And at the time in 2014, everyone was already saying, oh, YouTube is so saturated. It's so hard to make it. I was like, oh, it's basically impossible, but it's my dream. So I have to try. And so I did. And then now when people ask me like, oh, is it too late to start YouTube? I'm like, no, it's never too late. Even people will always say that it's saturated, but you can always create like your own market. There's so many niches that have not been filled. Right. So it's interesting. You're saying with the music channel, See, that's the thing about social media, I think, is not talked about enough. A lot of people are doing it and doing it and doing the same thing. And then it's not working, but they continue doing the thing. Mm -hmm. And it takes a certain amount of creativity and risk and courage to start something completely new. And you never know what's going to happen there. And it takes taking that risk to realize what's available for you. So at what point with that new channel did you realize that, wow, this is really resonating and this is going somewhere? I think with the new channel, it was so different from anything I've shared in the past. So with the new channel, I got to share like my actual journey and all my thoughts and stuff. I think even after like three months, even though I had like maybe 50 subscribers, the comments that I would get were like, wow, this really changed my perception on things or this, you helped me in with go through something in my life. And I felt like the comments I got through the Lavender content was so much more meaningful than the co- comments I would get from my music. Because with music, it's like, oh, you sound good. Oh, great. Like, I don't know. It just, I didn't even have that many views or that many subscribers, but I felt just through the comments and like people would email me 
directly because back then I gave my email out publicly and people would email me like really nice messages. And that's when I was like, wow, like this content is resonating so much more with people and a lot of people out there need it. So I think it motivated me from the start. Like it wasn't really the numbers. It was the emails and messages I was getting. And I think this is another thing that a lot of people who start social media expect is that you immediately are going to start getting millions of views and hundreds of comments. And it sounds like in the beginning, you had a small amount of very dedicated Mm -hmm. audience, but it's probably the consistency that kept your channel growing. Is that right? Oh, totally. Everything in social media is consistency. Like you have to. I was creating a video every week for a year and I didn't even have that much growth. Like it was only like the second and the third year of consistency where like things started picking up. And part of consistency is just like, you're just making videos on a week to week basis that eventually you're going to make a video that's good or that picks up. So it's more of like, you know, the more you make, the more probability you have to succeed. So back to dream life. You know, you now are in the position where you help others build their dream lives. If we rewind back to you graduating college, not having that internship lined up at that time, what was dream life like for you and your vision? At the time, I had no idea what I wanted in my life, which is why it was so frustrating to me. Like I just knew deep down that I wanted to dream big. And I wanted to be my own boss and I wanted to travel the world, but I I just didn't know how to make that dream happen. And that was the part that was frustrating to me because I loved so many things. So that's why I took a few years to like try out music because I thought "Hmm, maybe I want to be like a cool music producer and travel and play concerts and stuff. Or maybe I want to go into acting or hosting or I really just wanted to perform in some way. And I... I never really thought that I would become like a YouTuber, just like a YouTuber, but turns out that's what happened. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So it's one thing to put out videos consistently every week when that's already a source of income, but how were you monetizing your life while you were still building in the very beginning? Yeah, I was not making any money for like the first two years. So I was working part-time for like a startup food festival and I lived at home. And luckily, like I didn't really have that many expenses living at home because I ate my mom's food. (laughs) I didn't really like (laughs) do anything expensive, you know? Do you remember your first sponsorship or brand partnership? Yes, I think so. I'm not sure which one counts. Like the first one is maybe the first time someone sent you product and the next, the first time someone like pays you to make a video. Let's say pays you to make it legit. Yeah. The first time someone paid me was this like fashion brand that paid me to make a video. It's a fashion and beauty brand actually, because they wanted me to make a video on like their skincare products. So I made a video called like, do you feel pretty? And it was about like self-confidence and how, you know, putting in the extra effort to feel pretty makes you feel more confident as well. So. And how did it feel for you? Were you like over the moon to be making money off of it? Yeah, it was super cool (laughs) because it's not only are they giving me free product, like I got to choose what I wanted, but they're also paying me as well. I remember that first moment as well. For me, it was for the longest time because I started as a food blogger, I was just getting a ton of superfoods. And because I live in New York and I don't really have space, I was sharing an apartment with three roommates and I would store everything under my bed up until the point where there were mice that started coming for it. Uh Then I was like, listen, I just can't be paying superfoods anymore. It's being eaten by mice. I need money. (laughs) Yeah. So at this point, a few years into living this lifestyle of being a content creator and podcast host and all the things, what 
is your business, what does your business look like in terms of what percentage is brand partnerships, what percentage is your own products, et cetera? I have to recalculate because I just relaunched my products, but I feel like maybe 50 to 60% is my product sales. And then maybe 40% is brand deals. And then, okay, maybe 30% is brand. I'm bad at the math and making it equal 100. But like, yeah, the other big chunk is brand deals. And then a smaller chunk is AdSense. And then an even smaller chunk is like podcast ads. And then the last chunk is like, what's it called? Affiliate marketing. So in the years that you've been working with brands and monetizing your channel, what are some lessons that you've learned? And do you feel like now that you have your own products, you say more no's to brands or mm-hmm. what, what is your personal take on that? Yeah, I'm very, very lucky to be in a place where I can freely say no to a lot of money for a brand deal and be okay with that. Like I am blessed to be in that situation. And a big part of it is because I sell my own products. Like I'd rather push my own products, products that I genuinely believe in. I put a lot of heart into creating than to like, you know, sell another brand. So I only work with brands that I genuinely really love and I really just want to share about them. So yeah, I think having your own product like changes things. I recommend that to everybody. What was your first product and how did that come about? It was the Artist of Life workbook in the 2017. So end of 2016, I wanted to create this like digital ebook. It was like a digital interactive PDF where people would like fill in their goals for the year, answer all these prompts. I mean, it's a lot of that content is still in the current version of the Artist of Life workbook. I've just like expanded it more, but it started out as a digital book. And my inspiration was actually way back in 2014, I started doing like this workbook created by this other blogger, Leonie Dawson. I don't know if you've heard of her. She's in the spiritual world. Leonie Dawson, she creates these workbooks where she's an artist. So it's all like doodle form and it's an end of the year workbook as well. So I used to really enjoy doing her workbooks. But after a few years, they were a little too simple and the artwork didn't like resonate with me. So I wanted to create my own version of my adding my own exercises that I did in my journals and make it more minimal, clean and aesthetic, like to the way that I liked it. And so that's how the Artist of Life workbook came about. What, if you could choose one or two exercises or questions from that workbook, what would you say are the most powerful ones that if anyone can do them, they should do that? Yeah, the favorite, one of the favorites is something called current me versus future me. So if you take a notebook, there's two sides, like what a page on the left and a page on the right. So you draw your current self on the left side and you kind of, you could doodle, it doesn't have to be like pretty or anything. You just draw yourself at this current moment and write out like word bubbles and descriptions around describing your thoughts, where you are in life, how it looks like, the picture of your life. And then on the right side of the page, you draw the future ideal self that you want to become. And you kind of paint the picture of what that life and that person looks like. So this is something that I've started doing since 2012, like that year when I was super depressed out of college and lost. So I started creating this doodle and this journal for myself, and I made it a tradition to do it every year. So I shared that on my YouTube channel as well. So when I created the Artist of Life workbook, I had to put that in there. And it's still one of like the favorite exercises that people always like love to share about. That's so cool. I'm sure it's super fun to Mm -hmm. see when the community shares it among themselves as well. Yeah. It's like this power of accountability and co-creating together. So what are you working on next? What are your plans and goals for 2019? What excites you? 
2019, what excites me is to travel more. I think I was, I spent too much time like stationed in one place this year. And I, I'm really at a place where I'm so lucky that I could travel and work from anywhere. And this has been part of my dream life. Okay. So I think next year is to realize that part of my dream life to like station myself just temporarily for like a month or two in like different cities around the world and work and make videos out of those places. Mm. Have you done that before going nomadic a little bit? No, I haven't. I've only traveled like for a couple of weeks on vacations at a time, but never to like be there and work. I think that's what it was. Like the past few years, I've traveled a lot with family and friends, but it's a different feeling when you're like living there for a bit and meeting the people there, collaborating with the people there. Mm, totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A couple of years ago, I left everything. I sold and gave away everything I had in New York. And yeah. I traveled for almost a year to Bali and Brazil and did a huge road trip in the US. And then after a f- like nine months, I was just like, I need a home now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't be packing and packing anymore. Yeah. And now I'm back in the mindset of, oh, actually, I do want to be this free spirit again. And yeah, I go in and out of it. Sometimes I want to be just in one place. And lately I'm like, no, I, I think I should go out and see the world more. <laughs> right. Totally. So do you have any daily or weekly practices that help you stay connected and on track? Yeah, my favorite things to do are to journal. I do morning pages where I journal like three hands of stream of consciousness writing in the morning. And I also like to meditate, although I'm not very good at being consistent with the habit. But I notice whenever I do those two things, I feel more centered and I have more like space in my mind to think clearly. Like I sometimes I when I skip those habits, my mind is more anxious. I worry more. You know what I mean? So that's what I notice. Totally. And do you do any like quarterly or annual recaps, like big exercises with journaling? Oh, totally. I mean, I follow my whole Artist of Life workbook process, which what we do is in the goal book, we do like you set quarterly goals and then you set monthly goals. You do a monthly review. And then at the end of the quarter, you do a quarterly review. So you're reviewing at least every month. That sounds so cool. I'm going to check that out. Yeah. So, okay. I want you to demystify something for me. When someone looks at your YouTube channel, you have 740,000 subscribers, you have your own products, you're doing what you love. When you look at it that way, you only see one side of it. So can you demystify the YouTuber life for me? Because I feel like there's so many people our age and younger kids who just see it as end all be all. Mm, And you as someone who has achieved so much, what are some things you've learned along the way? I think having a career in social media and especially YouTube is so, it still feels to me very unstable. And that's just the reality of it because the internet changes so fast. Platforms shift in popularity really fast as well that you never feel like that you're okay. You never feel like you can relax. You're always on your toes and you always have to be learning, adapting, innovating. I think that's the part that gets me a little anxious, but it's also the part that like drives me to stay uncomfortable because if you start to be uncomfortable or if you start to be comfortable and you keep creating the same type of videos, for example, like eventually your audience isn't going to be interested in those videos anymore because they've changed, they've grown up. And so you always have to be changing and evolving. And the scary part is you don't know if it's going to keep growing because some days it'll grow and some days it won't grow. It'll like go down. It's really is like a roller coaster ride of like ups and downs. And I've learned over these four years to just accept 
that it's going to be up and down. It's never going to feel like you're growing constantly. Some days you're going to feel like, like some months, you're going to feel like you're falling. And that's just how it is. Right. And then the other side of it is working with brands. And, you know, I've had a chance to work with some of the biggest, awesome health brands like Whole Foods and Vitamix. And to someone who might be just starting out, that's like, whoa, end all be all. And me, someone who's done it, it's like, yeah, it was fantastic. It was super aligned. I made some money. But what's next? You know, it's like when you achieve these milestones and you've done it, it's like you realize that the importance we put on it is not really true to reality. So have you had those situations where you were just over the moon to work with a brand and then you manifest it and then you're like, okay, that didn't give me the inner fulfillment that I was looking for? I don't think I placed that much like excitement over brands in in the first place. Like, I mean, I love working with brands and it's cool to make money. Like that's another source of income for me, but I never had like a goal to work with a certain brand. Do you know what I mean? My goal was always to like build my own business and the brand deals was just a way for me to make extra cash so that I could invest it into my business. And even after like a few experience with, with brands, it's, it's more like it's, as a creator, if like when I was small, I think I had a couple traumatic experiences working with brands where it was like, oh, they asked for so much and it was draining. I had to reshoot things, re-edit things so much that it was just such like a annoying thing to deal with. So now I try to do as little as possible. I genuinely only say yes to like the best ones. But yeah, I do understand the feeling of like you hit a milestone and you're like, okay, what's next? Because that's how it is with like subscriber numbers, for example. Like back then, 10,000 was my goal. And then once you reach that, you're like, okay, what's next? Okay, 100,000, you reach that, what's next? Okay, oh my God. I used to check my subscriber numbers. Like I would monitor it like every week or even check it every day. And then now I don't really look at it as much anymore because as you keep growing, the numbers don't matter as much. Sometimes I sit back and I really appreciate, like I grow in one day now what I took like a whole year to grow my first year. So that is like actually really cool. And I'm always grateful for the growth, but it's not the goal. Do you know what I mean? The goal is like to enjoy the process of what you're creating. And what drives me is like continuing to learn and improve my skills. Yes. Oh my gosh. So much wisdom in in just that. Mm -hmm. So, okay. I want to go back. You said something really brilliant about how working with brands and monetizing that way and growing that way was never the goal for you. Mm -hmm. It was more building your own business. Yeah. And I just find that so smart because a lot of influencers are now starting to realize that that's really how you're going to build a long lasting presence and brand that doesn't depend on third-party platforms that we don't have any control over. But it sounds like you knew that and understood that ahead of time. So do you have any business mentors or coach or someone who gives you that support to make those smart business moves? I mean, I watched a lot of interviews of like business people. I follow Michelle Fawn. I watched all of those like, like when I was figuring things out, I was really deep diving into like great people and how they ran their business, how they built their empires. And I maybe this is partly like I did go to study business in school and college. So I always learned to diversify, like never put all your eggs in one basket. And especially don't put your eggs in in like someone else's, like don't let someone else control like your whole future. You know, like when you work for a company, you're you're under the control of like the company and they can fire you anytime. And it's very unstable in that way. So in order to like really create a solid foundation for yourself, 
you want to have multiple income streams, you know? And maybe I learned this from like some of the financial freedom type books I've read like back then. But yeah, having multiple income streams so that when one dies out, you have like four other streams that keeps you good. And the most powerful thing is if you own those streams. And the same thing goes for like social media, because you don't just want to be on one platform. You want to be on like multiple platforms so that if one, for example, if Facebook dies, Facebook will never die. But like, for example, Vine, Vine died. Or like, say like Facebook changes their algorithm and you don't get to reach as many people as you used to. So you want to be able to own it. So that's why a lot of people build an email list. Like I still use an email list and newsletter too. Is Facebook even like still relevant? I feel like... Exactly. Yeah. It, it is for older generations. Right. And for like private groups. A lot of people are still very active in that. Yeah. I have two Facebook groups. I think that Facebook video is still something to consider because they're starting their like ad revenue program for creators. So I'm part of that like Facebook partner program. Mm, yeah. Okay. I'm going to check that out. So another thing that you said that the most important thing with all of that is making sure you're enjoying the process. Mm -hmm. So with you having started one way and then your community having seen you grow into this business maven, how, what kind of pivots did you have to do? Or maybe it was a rebrand you know, it's this question of growing with your audience because mm -hmm. the thing that we start when we were one way, as we grow, it grows with us. And mm -hmm. if we, we got to make sure that it reflects that. So how have you done that in your experience? Yeah, the major pivot in the beginning was like going from music to YouTube. Because when I started Lavender, I was still like actively making music and I was really confused on how to like either fuse or separate those two brands of my personal brand, but eventually Lavender just kind of took over and I didn't have enough time to like do music because all my energy was put into YouTube. And then since I've been doing YouTube for the past, I don't know, four-ish years, I have shifted, like improved the content in a way. Because if you watch my first videos, it's just me in my bedroom talking and there that was it. And I think over time you learn to improve your videos. You add more B-roll, you have like a more engaging intro to capture people's attention and then incorporate some vlog style shots and footage within like your video so that it makes it more interesting. I've just, it's still a learning process, but I have to learn to become a better and better storyteller to keep people engaged in the first five seconds, keep them watching through the end. I think that is such a, it's an art. It's not easy to master. And I think I'm still learning how to master that through YouTube. Right. There's always something new to learn with all yeah. these platforms. And people's tastes change. I think as the internet grows older, people's expectations are higher. Like people, like, you know what I mean? Our standards grow higher for content. And so the content has to keep getting better and better and better to get people's attention. Totally. Mm -hmm. Is there someone you look up to in the space of video creation? Mm, I follow a lot of people on YouTube. In terms of creating videos, I watch a lot of like fashion and beauty YouTubers still just because I'm so inspired by their editing style. For example, like I am Kareno or Jen M. But I also like, I think what's really interesting is like Shane Dawson and his documentary style 
of telling a story through like, you know, digging into conspiracy theories. And was another thing that's really big and interesting is like Safiya Nagard. She used to work at BuzzFeed. She makes those like these challenge or like trying, like trying things out for a week video. So it's like a vlog of her, but she also spends time like sitting down and talking about her experience. And I think the way she edits and formats her video makes it so engaging that people watch through the whole thing. All right, I'm definitely checking that out because I've been meaning to make a video of me doing the Tony Robbins morning routine for a week. Oh, yeah, yeah. So stay tuned for that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So for me, as someone who's been on social media full time for a long time, probably five years now running my own business, I sometimes, especially lately, experience this burnout, this desire to step away and clear my head of all of it. And just stop consuming and tap into something that's way deeper within me. Yeah. Do you have those moments and how do you set those boundaries with social media? I always have those moments. (laughs) The busier (laughs) I get, I always find myself telling myself like, oh, I just want to do nothing. I just want to relax. But I think that's part of the reason why I want to like travel because when I'm away, I can at least get a little more headspace. But I think that's why meditation helps because you can step away for a little bit, but still manage like all the work that you have to do. But I I do feel like that because we're always so plugged in and so tuned in that some days I just like spend the whole Saturday like not checking internet. Like I just want to like hang out with the people in my life, maybe journal, maybe read. I do do that. And that's why I'm not the best at like posting consistently on Instagram. Instagram's like a daily thing, but some days I just I just can't be on social media. Right. And I love and respect that you honor that because mm-hmm. I'm a big believer that people, they sense what we put into our posts on an energetic level. And if it's coming from a place of, oh my gosh, I need to post something. Otherwise people will not think I'm relevant anymore. People pick up on that. So my personal rule is only post when I have something to share that I genuinely want to share. And I understand that it's not the best in terms of the algorithm, but I just find more and more that picking up my phone a thousand times a day to check comments and messages isn't productive. And so lately, more than ever, I've been just asking myself, you know, I'm putting all this time into Instagram and is it growing proportionately to the time and energy I'm investing in it? And is it where I want to go with my business and my life? And it goes back to you with your music channel. I think that's where I'm at in a way Mm. of, okay, I've built this thing. It's successful. And for my next level expansion and to stay aligned and fully myself, where do I really want to take this? Mm. And that's why I'm called to, I'm actually, I booked this last minute adventure to Jackson Hole. I'm going on my own and Mm. I'm just, I booked a cabin and I'm planning to just write and read and spend time in nature and yeah. tap into things that are beyond social media. That's super cool. Yeah, I love that. Do you ever do anything like that where you just go away for like a week and totally turn everything off? That's what I want to do. I, I never like gone away on a solo trip for like a weekend or anything. So that's what I want to do like 2019. Right. And do you have any daily practices like no phone in bed or don't spend more than X amount of hours on your phone just to keep you sane? Mm, I don't have anything super strict because I do use my phone sometimes like before bed or in the morning. But for example, like when you're saying about don't check comments, like I turn off all of my notifications 
I batch my checking of comments. So if I post something, I won't check comments until like five hours later. Or if I post a video, sometimes like I won't check comments until I'm finished doing whatever I need to do. And then I'll check comments like at the end of the day and reply all at once. Right. Yeah. So you mentioned that when you were going through that, you know, what you called your midlife crisis, which was really you just figuring out who you are. What were some of the books that helped you the most? One major one was called The Success Principles by Jack Canfield. I also loved The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. Another one is like The Slight Edge by Jeff Olson. I'm sure there is like a ton more, but like I felt like in that stage of life, every book that I read was eye-opening because you like I didn't know anything at that time. So everything was like, wow, wow, wow. It's so interesting that you remember them so well. If someone asked me, I would be like, oh. <laughs> I know there's some that I don't remember, but I remember these because I've shared them on my channel so many times, like my top favorite books or blah, blah, blah. And what is there a book that you're excited about to read in the coming year? I have a whole reading list, but right now there's nothing. I mean, I haven't looked at it. What ex- Usually when I'm done reading my current book, I look at my reading list and then I pick whatever sounds the most interesting. Like right now I'm listening to the audiobook Crushing It by Gary Vee. Because that one's more like business related for social media. Right. I'm actually reading it, not listening to it. But I'm curious to see what your takeaways are. I'm like super pumped. I get super motivated, pumped and inspired when I read it. But then there comes a moment where I'm just like, okay, I need to put this down. I need to take a break. I need to go (laughs) meditate and go outside. Yeah, like his energy is very like aggressive, take action, do, 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 which is cool. I mean, I listen to it in the car and it does motivate me. Yeah, I think for me, it's motivating, but I listen to it more for like his insights and his thoughts on like the industry. And I totally like, I get inspired in the sense that he talks about jumping on newer platforms and, you know, taking advantage of these spaces before they come become mainstream. Because for example, I think like TikTok is going to continue to grow even more. TikTok used to be Musical.ly. What is TikTok? I've never heard about it. Have you gone to the part of the book where he talks about Musical.ly? No. So Musical.ly started out as this lip syncing app. It's actually an app created by Chinese people. So it's a Chinese app. But I think Musical.ly got bought out by this parent company that also had another app named TikTok, which is very similar. In China, it's called Douyin. So it's like the most popular app in China. Anyway, so it merged. And now the Western version is called TikTok. And if you look at it, I think it has like, I don't know, 4 million users. It's it's huge globally. So you know how like Facebook, Instagram, whatever, it's all like, American-based and Western. So like China has its own like community and ecosystem of apps as well. And TikTok is, it, the format is like vertical video. You swipe up to like see whatever video is recommended. And it's a lot of like people lip syncing or people dubbing like comedy skits. And I don't know, you can really find anything, but I think it's a very interesting space. It kind of reminds me of like YouTube in 2009 when people were just uploading bad quality videos, but it was like funny and entertaining. And I think that on that app, it's only going to, the quality of content will just keep getting better and better as people get more and more creative. And the fact that it's global, like, okay, China is a huge country and they have a lot of people. So if people are using that app, just, you know, it started there. Like it's just, it has the potential to be like even bigger than like Instagram, you know? It's so interesting. I'm checking it out now and it kind of looks like Vine. Yeah, it is basically Vine on steroids because Vine was like six second videos, but TikTok is like 15 to up to like two minutes a video. So are you active on it? Is that something you're investing your energy into? Like I'm like looking into it and I haven't, I've made a few that are just 
not great, but I haven't started like making actual ones that I'm where I'm trying to grow it. But I that's kind of where I'm trying to look in the future. Interesting. Yeah. It's like one of those things. I get so many emails, people inviting me to join their new platforms. And I've tried mm-hmm. it a couple of times and nothing came out of it. And then, you know, I'm just being very intentional with where I put my time into these days. Yeah. And I'm like, do I want to put my time into helping someone build their platform? Or would I rather put these hours into developing my next product? Exactly. Like we only have so many hours in a day, even with like IGTV. If I had more time, I would be more active on it. But I just like, I'm just focused on my current videos and content. But I think if you can carve out the time for these new platforms, like especially if you're starting out, it's so worth it. Right. So Mm -hmm. whenever anyone asks me, how did you build your Instagram? How did you get all these followers? I always preface this with, it's not the same right now. And whatever I tell you I did five years ago is not going to apply anymore. Some of the more general principles and mindset definitely apply, but the tactics are completely different. So I'm curious with you, you know, you have had your channel for a while, but if you were giving advice to someone who is just starting out or ready to take their social media to the next level, whether it's YouTube or Instagram or podcast, what Mm -hmm. would you recommend? I would say, So I'll talk about YouTube because I think I know that best. I would say for YouTube, do a lot of research on what people are searching in your specific industry. You should follow all the people who are making videos in your topic already and see what topics are popular on their channels and what's trending. And then you're like, when you're starting out, just like, try to make videos like that. I think I wasted a lot of time making videos that I personally wanted to make. And it was, I didn't really have that much of a strategy in the beginning. My only strategy was like, make one video a week. And I think if you want to grow, you have to be a little more strategic on like making videos that people want to see. Because only if you make a good video that people are looking for and people want to see, will people notice you and then follow you. And then it gives you a more more opportunity to be creative later on. But in the beginning, you definitely have to like be strategic. Mm. So this is another really fun topic I love getting into. It's the balance between being strategic and being intuitive. Mm-hmm. What is your experience with that? I mean, I always try to be intuitive for sure. I think it's not, those are not two opposite ends of a spectrum. You could be strategic and intuitive at the same time. But I think what you're trying to say is like, are you trying to say what you're creating is like creating for the audience versus creating for yourself? That, yes. And also kind of like, you know, in YouTube things go in waves and one month, what I eat in a day or whatever, my morning routine is the most popular thing. And then there's this another trend. So it's like this endless hustle of jumping on those trends versus meditating and coming out of the meditation being like, I want to share this and I'm really called to share this with the world. If you feel super called to share something, you have to create it. That's what I, I put the intuition first, but I'm saying like, if you don't have other ideas or if you're not like super called to do it, then be strategic. I always try to balance like in one month, I'll have like maybe, I don't know, half of it is like trending videos that I know my audience likes and the other half or maybe a little less than half are videos that I want to do or videos that I'm called to do. Like sometimes I have videos that I'm so proud of that I think are amazing, but people don't click on them. People don't watch them Mm -hmm. (laughs) because it's it's not helpful. It's more like an artsy thing. So that's my issue. Like if there's a video that I absolutely love, I'll create it, but it won't do well on my channel. And it does hurt, but that's the reality of it. Right. Do you ever go back and rewatch your own videos? Yeah, I do. (laughs) How does that make you feel? I mean, 
sometimes it's cringy. Sometimes I'm like, wow, I've changed a lot. And then other times I'm like, wow, that was a pretty good video. Like Mm. I'm proud. I love going back on Instagram and just seeing where life has taken me and Mm. tapping into older mindsets and places where I was in my personal growth. I think it's such a trippy time to be alive where we document our lives like that and we document our friendships and connections and relationships and it's always there. Yeah. Like you can visually look back at your life, which I think is cool. Yeah. It's crazy. And also acknowledge the growth. It's Mm -hmm. like if we don't, if we just keep moving and moving and moving forward and we don't take a pause to acknowledge of where we were before and where we wanted to go, none of it really matters because we're not present to that growth. So- I want to jump back for a moment to you creating your first product. How did you figure out how to do it? Did you just take it like step by step and research everything? Or did you have someone who helped you with it? Honestly, the first, the digital PDF of the Artist of Life workbook. Are you talking about the digital or do you want to talk about the product, the production of a physical product? I guess the production of the physical product is the more important one because digital... There's a lot of platforms now where you just put anything out there and you can change it anytime. But physical product is something that's, when it's out, it's out. Like a digital product is easy now because you have all the tools. Like the first draft I use like pages on Apple. I just literally made a PDF on pages and I put it online. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I had a WordPress website where I was like selling it there. But the physical product, this is where I actually, my boyfriend comes in because I'm lucky to have him. He was the one that pushed me to make my workbook a physical product because he had like the connections because he works in like sourcing. So Mm. they have like agents that connect with people in China to get things made. So he was like, yeah, I can make whatever you want if you just ask me to, if you have a good idea. So I'm lucky to have that connection. And he helped with like, like we found somebody to be our agent in China and we communicated with them to like find the materials. And so what I did is I went to stationery stores. I would like buy notebooks that I liked or kind of rip out pages that I wanted to use that type of paper. Because when you're making something and you're not physically like there at the factory, you have to send them as many like physical samples as you can. You can't just show them like, a. I mean, you can show them a picture, but it's best if they can feel it in their hand. Like I want this type of paper, this type of material. And so you send them your ideas first and then they send you samples, say like different colors or different materials and textures for the cover. And so I remember just like looking through the materials and choosing the best one. And if I didn't find one that I liked, I would go like second round or third round. Mm -hmm. And that's a few times. And then they make the samples, they make the sample, send it to you. And usually the sample has something wrong with it. And you just kind of go back and forth with like feedback until they create like a good version. But there's also like part the time crunch of it because my product is like a new year product. So I like there would be times where like it's not perfect, but I'm like, oh my God, I don't have time to make another sample. Let's just like, let's just create the batch now. I just trust or cross my fingers, hope that it will turn out okay. <laughs> so it's, that would happen too. Right. And what about the launch? Did you only use your own platform to promote the launch of it? Or did you do any marketing or advertising or collaboration with other influencers? Mm, I think the first year, yeah, it was just on my YouTube channel and Instagram. And then last year, 2018, was when I started sending my workbooks to influencers. So I would just send it to like friends or influencers that I admire and hope that 
they would share it if they liked it. And that's the same thing I, I did this year. I It's mostly organic with social media. And then this year I did run like one week of Facebook ads just to test it out. But I'm not like an expert on ads at all. I'm an expert at like creating content. Right. So how did the test with ads go for you? It was okay. I honestly think that it's like I could pay Facebook a certain number amount of money for this many people, or I could just like post an Instagram story that gets exactly the same number of views. So it's like, it's just better for me right now, in my opinion, to just post organically, you know? Right. I find the same thing. Yeah, right? Yeah. I have a product, a ceramic heart bowl that is a symbol of starting your day with self-love and nourishment. And I tried this year. I was like, I'm going to take this seriously. I I produced a big batch, thousands of these bowls. And I was like, I'm going to hire an agency to do Facebook ads and this and that. And I realized that doing influencer partnerships with just my friends, sending it to people and giving it to people brought me so much more business and talking about it myself than than paying Facebook. Exactly. It's disproportionate. I mean, the way that I did it is my products really match with my brand. I think you kind of have to do that. But in a way where like throughout the whole month of like December and January, I'm constantly making videos where I show the workbook and when I show the planner. And sometimes it's on purpose. Sometimes it just happens like I'm talking about journaling and it makes sense to show it. But I think just creating content and being able to incorporate it into your life and your posts as much as possible is just natural marketing. Right, right. Yeah, I think this whole influencer market, content creator market is really disrupting how advertising and marketing is done. And we have so much more power in our hands to reach people directly. Yeah, for sure. So what is something that you wish people knew about you? You know, back to those YouTube videos that you're so excited about that are so near and dear to your heart and then doesn't land with people. What are some of those things that you really care about that you wish people knew and understood better? About me? Mm-hmm. I don't really care if people understand it, but I, I do have other sides of me that people don't always see on Lavender. I think I have like the singing, dancing, performing side that I don't get to share as much anymore. And I think sometimes I miss that, you know? I miss that. Like people don't who know me now don't realize that I had this past where I did all this other stuff too. And it's funny because if I talk to someone, sometimes I'll bump into a friend who knew me like back then and they think that I'm still doing music on YouTube. (laughs) Kind of like two different personas now. But I don't really care if people don't know about that. That's just something that I don't think most people know. And another thing is I I think people who watch creators and influencers in self-help or something think that our lives are perfect. But that's not true. And we have our bad days too. And we're normal people too. So I think that's another like misconception. Mm. What do you do when you're having a bad day? I just let myself have a bad day. Sometimes I just like go out for a walk. Or maybe I just watch a TV show, go out to eat, journal, meditate, things like that. Any TV show recommendations? I have like different taste in TV shows because I watch a show called Terrace House, which is like, it's on Netflix. It's a Japanese reality show where like six strangers live together. And they're, it's kind of like real world, but Japanese people are so polite. You watch them interact and date and be so cordial to each other. It's really funny. <laughs> I'm going to check that out. That sounds really funny. So is there anything else that I didn't ask you about, Aileen, that you want to share? I think that's it. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing your philosophy and your journey. And Guys, if you enjoyed any part of this podcast, I would love to hear your takeaways. Tag both of us and check the show notes on WokenWired.com. I'm going to link to all the different things that we mentioned in this episode on there. 
Thank you for listening. Thank you, Eileen. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with your friends, leave a review, and find all the show notes on wokeandwired.com and connect with me on Instagram at wokeandwired. Stay woke, stay wired, and have an incredible day.